I'd like to go to Daniel 3 tonight. And uh, uh, I'm going to start in verse 11 for time, for the sake of your time tonight. If you've never heard this story, I will build into it a little bit. But the king, Nebuchadnezzar, is telling them that he is setting up uh, he is setting up an idol for them to worship, and when they hear the sound of the music, that they are to bow down and worship. Verse 11, and whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. Think about it. I want you to think about this language. They have not regarded thee. They said nothing about their respect to the idol. They have not regarded thee. They do not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and his fury commanded, he said, Go get them and bring them. Then they brought them in before the king. Verse 14. He spake unto them and he said, is it true? He asked them, is it true that you do not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Do you see what I'm saying about the language? He is talking about idolatry, but it's my gods, what I have set up. This is my system. This is my thoughts. Are you, are, is it true that you're bucking my system? And he said in 15... If you be ready, when you hear the sound, when you hear the sound, fall down and worship. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God? Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? I love it because that question before the story's over gets answered. <laughs> Let me, you just mark it down. I know I'm supposed to be reading, but you mark it down. That question will be answered in the end time. Amen. Who is the God of these Pentecostals? Who is the God of these apostolics? That, that question will be answered. So, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, your King James Version, this is what it said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand. He can take us out of the furnace, but regardless, he will get us out of your hand. Oh, my Lord. We may not escape the furnace but we'll escape your system. We're not afraid of it. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us out of thy hand. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, this is what I want to preach to you tonight. It's just a little different than I've ever seen it before. This is going to be cornbread and buttermilk preaching tonight. Is that all right? Anybody here like bologna sandwich? Just good old country cooking. Can we, can we do that tonight? Just gnaw on some, y'all getting hungry yet? 
You can cut a little onion up in that cornbread if you want to. Somebody shout hallelujah. They said, O king, verse 16, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now I want to, I want to say, I want to show you the order of the Hebrew scripture. This is, this is what it says in the Hebrew context. Where it says, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Your Hebrew Bible, the translation in the Hebrew says, we have no need to answer thee. I love it, Bishop. They said, there's no reason for us to even give you an answer. Woo, man, I want to preach right now. If I could say it to you like this, they, they probably said it a little bit nicer than this, but this is what they said to Nebuchadnezzar. It's none of your business. It's none of your business. I have no need to answer you and tell you about my worship because it's none of your business. There's some people in here tonight that the devil's been sticking his nose in your business, in your family, in your worship, in your walk with God. And it's time tonight for you to just look the devil square in the eye and say, it is none of your business. Now, y'all going to help me preach tonight. I want you to shout this out with me right now. Devil, Devil. it's none of your business. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Woo! I'm afraid it's about to preach itself in here right now. So Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by Lucifer himself. And every time that Lucifer tries to tempt the Lord, he responds to him with the word of God. It is written. It is written. Why does Jesus Christ not take time to give the devil his opinion? Why does he just quote the word? And I'm going to tell you why. It's because some of us are willing to have conversations with the enemy that end up being negotiations. And Jesus wasn't willing to just put his own ideas out there and say, now, listen, I'm not going to talk to you, and this is the reason why, because after a while, you're going to get into negotiations. That was established in the book of Genesis. Did the Lord not say? When you start having conversations, you end up sitting down at the table of negotiation with the enemy. And before you know it, you have compromised on some things that at one time you said you were convicted about. So the best way for you to deal with the devil is not to sit down and tell him why you're not going to do this and why you're not going to do that. The best thing you could do is to stick the word of God in the devil's face and say it's none of your business. Now, I'm going to come to you right now with some old-fashioned Sunday school teaching that I learned when I was just a boy. This is one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in Sunday school. I learned, now this this is going to sound cornbread, I'm telling you. I learned when I was a boy 
that Satan is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. That means he's not everywhere and he is not all-knowing. He is not omniscient and he is not omnipotent, which means he does not have all power. Can we go to Sunday school for a minute? When we look at the enemy, we often looked at him as God's opposite. It's darkness and light. It's like God's equal. It's, it's the force. It's like Spider-Man and whoever his nemesis was. I don't even know. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. I know enough about Superman to know what kryptonite is. And Lucifer is not heaven's kryptonite. It's not like one of these days Satan is going to get the upper hand. Now that's the way we see it. We believe that one day the enemy is going to get the upper hand and he's going to get just a little bit enough power and that if we're not careful, he's going to take us down. You hear this preacher. As long as you're covered in the blood of the lamb, the enemy cannot access you. I remember being a boy sitting in class and then I'd go upstairs and hear the preaching and I would hear my granddad say and I would hear my Sunday school teachers teach and I've never forgotten how, how this made me feel when I was just a little boy. I used to worry about the way the enemy would mess with my mind. But I'm taking you to Sunday school right now. I heard them say, the enemy cannot access your thoughts. Is this all right? He does not know what you're thinking. He does not know that you are afraid. He does not know that you've had fear all over you until you open up your mouth and you declare that you are afraid. But the psalmist taught us how to do it. He said, when I am afraid, he said, when I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Whoa, God help me tonight. I want to tell you this evening. That we've been given the enemy access to some things by the words that we speak. He cannot access your mind. He does not know that you're afraid. But when you open up your mouth and you begin to invite him into your family and you invite him into your relationship with God and you invite him into your marriage, you are giving him access to things that are none of his business. fixing to preach right here and get some people maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but that's all right. Well, I've been trying to, been trying to work through this, been praying and asking God to help me. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. You don't have to be addressing the devil for him to hear what you're saying. You can talk to your friends and talk to your family, and he overhears the conversations because you let it come out of your mouth. And you don't have to believe me, but I'm telling you, I believe he reads your Facebook. You cannot get down on your knees and ask God to heal it in one moment and then invite people into the chaos in the next minute and expect the enemy to stop fighting against you. I tell young married couples all the time, and older married couples, you don't have to be young, but I tell married couples all the time that if you and your spouse are going out one another, don't invite people into that conversation. Don't do it. 
If you're mad at your husband or you're mad at your wife, don't go tell your mother and dad about what you're upset about. Because when you're over it, your mom and dad are still going to be upset about it. You absolutely cannot tell God that you want something to get fixed and then start inviting extra chaos into the middle of chaos and expect it to be all right. I'm here to help somebody in this place tonight. You've been professing by faith that God is greater than this and that God can fix this and that God can put it back together. But we have invited the enemy in and given him a foothold in our life. And I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost tonight, it is none of his business. None of his business. I, I worry sometimes. I really do. I think I'm far from a micromanager. If you've been in this church for very long at all, you know I am not a micromanager. I told my wife the other day, I said, if there's one thing I could manage, I'd like to be the Facebook filter. I would. I'd like to, I would like to have a switch under my desk that I could just sign people out. Being serious is a heart attack. I want, I, I want to look at people and say, you're not helping the cause. You're not. And all the people that you witness to. Woo-wee. I think I heard it, Bishop. Did you hear it? You heard too, Brother Diaz. Huh? <laughs> heard that rat licking ice. It got quiet in here, didn't it? It's none of his business. None of his business. We give the enemy access to things that he has no business having access to. And when the children of Israel were faced, look, folks. You can, you can put all the, the muscle on this you want to. You can make them sound as spiritual as you want to. What, do, say it however you want to say it. Preach it as good as you want to preach it. Them three boys were scared. I, I guarantee you they were scared to death. They were absolutely afraid. In their flesh, they were just like I am. When the, when the king, the government of Babylon said, if you don't do it, we're going to put you in the cage. We're going to put you in there. We're going to burn you up. We're going to take that furnace, put you in, turn it up seven times hotter. And if you think for one minute that they just squared their shoulders up and said, I ain't scared. (laughs) But I'll tell you what you did notice is they never spoke it. They refused to speak to the king. You're scaring us a little bit here. You got us just a little bit worried. I'm just a little bit nervous. Why? Because we are told in the scripture to neither give place to the devil. What's that mean? It means don't even crack the door when he comes knocking at the door. Listen, I'm going to tell you what some of us need to do tonight. 
The enemy's been knocking on your family's door. He's been knocking on your marriage door. He's been, come on somebody. He's been knocking on your worship door. Some of you don't even need to go to the door. You need to say, Lord, send an angel to that door and let that devil know that what goes on in this house is none of his business. Oh, my, my. <laughs> I believe it's tight as an overtuned banjo in here right now. You know what? I'm going to tell you something, church family. Can I just preach to you and be real right now? Okay, thank you for permission. I'm going to do it anyhow. Everybody in this room has trouble. How many married people we got in here? If you're married, raise your hand. Woo-wee. How many perfect married people we got in here? Bishop, put your hand down. How many of you have been married over 20 years? Yep. Any of you had 20 years without any fusses? Well, where's all the stinking hands? You know why? Because it's life. It's the way it is. I've had, I've had times, don't, please don't overthink this, but I've had times on Sunday nights, Bishop, I've walked to my office and sat down at my desk Closed my door so nobody would come in. I just sat down and said, I don't know if I did any good. And I'm not talking about good preaching. I'm talking about, I don't know if it did any good. I don't know if it helped anybody. Man, chaos coming against my mind. I, I, sat, in my, I sat in my office before just trying to decompress after church. Couldn't get it finished up, so I'd go home and lay in bed. My wife would be snoring. I was exhausted Sunday nights. Man, I'm ready to fall in the sack. I've laid in the bed on Sunday nights. My head just tick, 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 tick. I'm weary. I'm tired. And I'm dumb enough to open my mouth and say, I don't even know if it's worth it. And the enemy heard every word that I said. I don't know what's on me tonight, but I feel it as strong as I've ever felt it. And I have come to stand under the power of the Holy Ghost tonight with a prophetic anointing on me. And I feel like telling somebody tonight, your marriage is worth it. Your family is worth it. Quit inviting the enemy in and say, I don't even know if it's worth it anymore. Your marriage is worth it. Your kids are worth it. Your ministry is worth it. It's worth it, and it's going to be worth it when you stand before God. Quit giving the enemy access. It's none of his business. We have no reason to answer you. I've always read that. We won't be quick to answer you in this matter. And you can kind of look that however you want to. You know, like we're, we're not going to give a, a quick response to you. We're not, we're not going to 
come up with some big deal for you. The, the context of it is we're not even going to answer you. There's, not, there's, there's no reason for us to tell you why we're doing what we're doing. And I have made up my mind this year more than ever in my life that I don't care what the enemy says about this church. I don't care what he tries to do in this church. I don't care what he tries to do against your families. I don't care what he tries to do against my family. This is what I've, I've put a sign on my door. I've put a sign on the door of my spirit. I've put a sign on the door of my heart that as soon as he comes up, he knows I've come here in vain. It's not even worth trying anymore because Luke St. Clair put a sign on the door that said, I've got no reason to trust you. I've got no reason to listen to you. I've got no reason to hear what you're saying. And I want you to know that if you come after my marriage, I've got no reason to talk to you. Your ministry is worth it. Your family is worth it. Somebody, you need to know tonight, your church is worth it. Your church is worth it. Some of you have been praying for lost families saying, God, I don't know if they're ever going to get it. Careful how you say it. Somebody's eavesdropping on that. It's time that we just start giving the devil no reason at all and just saying, Lord, I claim it in Jesus' name. I speak it in Jesus' name. I refuse to say it any other way. Then, God, you're going to do it, and I'm going to rejoice until you do, and then I'm going to rejoice when you're done with it, and I'm giving the devil no reason at all. I'm not even giving him an answer. It's none of your business, devil. It is none of your business. Get your nose out of my business. Get your nose out of my business. Get your nose out of my prayer life. Get, come on, somebody. Get your nose out of my worship. You come walking up in here trying to worship, and that starts crossing your mind. What are people going to think about you? You don't deserve to worship like that. You, you, you don't deserve to be in the presence of the Lord like that. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you've done? Do you know how many mistakes you've made? You know, my, you know how many times you've slipped? Do you know how many times you came back to the Lord, but then you turned your back and left again, and you hear it every time you try. Every time you try, you lift your hands, and you feel that spirit come on you say, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve to be here. You failed God too many times, but I'm waiting on somebody tonight on this Sunday night that the next time you hear that voice, you throw them hands up higher than you ever have and say, it ain't none of your business how I worship. It ain't not. Hey, I've come to this place to give him praise tonight, and it ain't none of your business, devil. You won't find five people in this church that believe in you. You won't find five people that believe you can make it. You won't find anybody that believes you deserve it. Ah, it's none of your business, devil. I'm going to worship him anyway. I'm going to bless him anyway. I'm going to give God the best I've got. I'm going to worship him with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. And it's none of your business. I've been praying like
like this this week. I feel faith in my life right now. I've been telling the devil, we're going to build this school. It's going to be debt free and it's none of your business. We're going to get the daycare off the ground and it's none of your business. We're going to turn this city inside out and it's none of your business. Y'all may think I'm kidding tonight, but you're looking at a man that has put a request before God. I want to make your job easy, Brother Castro. I'm ready to put drug dealers out of business. And it's none of the devil's business. You've come too late to discourage me. I've already seen it. I've already seen it by faith. I've seen this platform filled up with people that six months before had meth labs in their house. I've already seen it. I've already seen it, Brother Snow. But they said, my wife and I were addicted to meth. But this church extended a hand and let our children start coming to this school. And our kids came home from a chapel service on a Friday. And I found out my little kid had been speaking in other tongues. And it made me mad and I didn't know what it was. But when I came to the church on Sunday to pick a bone with the preacher, the Holy Ghost got on me and it's none of the devil's business. Because I used to be a dope dealer. I used to be a meth addict. I used to be a drug addict. But God got a hold of me. I've been set free and it's none of the devil's business. almost there I'm just just working through my prayer time right now if that's all I'm just kind of working through some things because I gave the devil some ammo and this is probably way too transparent but I got real frustrated last year and I started saying things to the Lord like I like I felt like we should have been exempt from some things I did I, I'm just being honest with you I know I'm, I'm supposed to like float six inches off the ground and speak in tongues 23 out of 24 hours a day. But I've looked at some of y'all in this church and I said, God, I don't, know, I don't know why they had to go through that. I don't know why my family had to go through some of the things we've gone through. And I opened up my mouth. I opened up my mouth. Do you, you hear what I'm saying? I opened up my mouth. And I started... Asking some questions that I should have. This is, ex this is exactly why when the angel of the Lord came to Mary, it said that she pondered these things in her heart. Can you believe we got Bible for this? She said, 
how can it be seeing that I, I, I know not a man. She got the fact out there. This is impossible. Like, I don't know what you're trying to do. And when the angel said that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost, she, she pondered these things. She didn't walk out of there saying, Elizabeth, this is impossible. God's never going to be able to do this. Do you know what people are going to say about me? Never came out of her mouth. She pondered it in her heart. When you start opening up your mouth and you start saying the things that you've been pondering in your heart, I know you can't see this, but you are literally handing the enemy a key. He just opens up, unlocks, and has access. I was raised in a culture. I don't even know how many people in here know anything about what I'm getting ready to say. But I was raised in a culture as a young boy in this church of kingdom talk. R.B. Bingham raised us in a culture of kingdom talk. Kingdom talk was speaking things that are not. As though they were. And some of us have gotten some some bad habits that we got to get out of. And I'm saying us, me and you, all of us. Here's some things we got to get out of. Instead of waking up every day and saying, God, I hate this job. Instead of getting up every day and saying, I am so sick of this marriage. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you in this house. We're going to worship our way through this. But I got to do some preaching in here tonight. Instead of getting up every day and telling the devil how miserable you are. We got to get a culture of kingdom talk up in here. Oh God. We ought to be getting up every morning and saying, Lord, I thank you for my marriage. I thank you for my church. I thank you for my children. I thank you that I'm healthy. I thank you, God, for another day to live. I thank you, God, for another day to worship you. I thank you for it, God. Man, is this all right? (laughs) Sometimes I just want to say it as ugly as I can to the devil. Give him that Pentecostal cussing. You can't say nothing bad, you have to repent. But you can give him that good old Pentecostal cussing, say it ain't none of your stinking business. We got a word I used around all, all my life since I was a teenager. I remember the first time I heard it was Bishop Steve Wilson. So if it was wrong, you can blame Brother Wilson. <laughs> Me and Patrick were headed to the lake one day to go tubing. And on the way out the door, Brother Wilson said, Y'all be careful. I said, yes, sir. He said, Don't you let them sling you into the Hawken Bank. <laughs> and that's where Hawken was born. And so for the rest of my life, I've had some hawking good times. But I'm just mad enough at the devil right now. I've been watching him grab some of you by the weaknesses in your life and lead you around and try to manipulate you. But some of you need to get just ticked off enough at the devil tonight to say it ain't none of your hawking business. You understand me, devil? Back up off me tonight. As 
as a witness to my made-up mind, I'm going to give him praise even when you don't want me to. I'm going to show up to church even when you don't want me to. When you want me to stay home and you want me to sit down, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to stand up. And when you want me to stop clapping, I'm going to clap louder. And when you want me to shut up, I'm going to shout loud. So if I can really break this down for you tonight, and I'm not, I'm not going to preach real long. I'm going to break this down for you, and I'm going to tell you exactly what these boys were saying. If they'd have been from Louisiana or Mississippi, they weren't. But this is exactly what they were saying. It's none of your business. And they said, we're not going to answer you. We're not going to give you a quick answer on this. In other words, we have no reason to answer you. They said, God can, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to do it. This is, how, this is what they were saying. Can I give you the Luke St. Clair version, not the KJV? They said, we have no reason to answer you. It's none of your business, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can threaten me. You can put me in the fire. You can try to kill me. You can threaten to take all my liberties. Say whatever you want to say. But it's none of your business. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. I'm going to praise him. Tonight as I was preaching this sermon up here talking about it. I just got that old song going. Mother in my mind I said I'm going to praise the Lord any way that I can. Because some of us sit around and say, well, I can't run like I used to. I can't, I can't dance like I used to. That old song said, I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to tap my feet. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to sing and rejoice. I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't do anything, but just move your foot a little bit, you ought to tell the devil, I'm going to dance the best I can, and it's none of your business. I may not be able to run like I used to, but I'm going to give God the best I can. It may hurt my hip. It may hurt my knees. It may hurt my shoulder. I can't get it all the way up, but I'll get it halfway up. Devil, it ain't none of your business. Go get him, Ray. It's none of his business, son. the Holy Ghost. Come on, Brother Diaz. It's none of his business. You throw that cane away, brother. Here's what I want you to know. Your worship is the witness. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Your worship is the witness. Let me read. I'm, I'm, I'm about finished. Listen. He told me, he said, go ahead, do it. They said, no, we have no reason to answer you. God's able to deliver us. And so the Bible said that he threw them in to the fiery furnace. Verse 24. It said that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, 
was absolutely amazed. This word is teva. It means that he was absolutely astonished. In other words, the, the, the word, it almost alludes to the fact that he couldn't even comprehend what he was seeing. Like his mind, he couldn't get it. It said he was astonished. And he got up in a hurry. And he walked over to his counselors, which I believe were the same counselors that he had sent to talk to them. I believe it was the man that stood closest to him and said, you go tell those boys right there. That if they don't bow down, they were his messengers, his counselors. He said to his counselors, oh, dear God, did we not? Tell your neighbor tonight, your worship is your witness. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the first? They said, Yeah. Go to that next verse for me. He said, Not only were the three of them bound when we put them in there, but they got company. And they're all four loosed. Because when you refuse to let the devil stick his nose in your business, He said they have no hurt. And that fourth one, that fourth one is like the son of God. Now, this, I've never thought about this in my life, but I heard this the other night, Bishop. This messed me up. How in the world did Nebuchadnezzar know? Do, do you, you understand who Nebuchadnezzar is? Okay. He's the king of Babylon. The whole dude's agenda is idolatry. And he said... It looks like son of God. How'd he know? He don't serve God. How's he know what he looks like? He said they're loose. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I heard this the other night. I'm going to tell you what I believe it was. I don't believe it was necessarily that Nebuchadnezzar would have recognized God if he would have walked into the room himself. But I believe that when he looked in there to check on those boys that refused to bow down, that when he looked in this time, there was one man standing up and three boys bowed down. He said, I tried everything I could to get them to bow down and worship this God. But this must be, this must be, this is the first thing I've ever seen these boys bow to. This must be the real thing. This must be real power. This must be real authority. And their worship was their witness. The enemy's tried everything he could to get you to bow down, and you wouldn't until you got here tonight. But tonight your worship is your witness, and it's none of his business. 
If I'm going to bow down to anything, I'm going to bow down to the one true living God. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to give him everything I've got. And it's none of your business. I wish that I could get you to understand the power of that word astonished, fevah. I wish, I wish I could get you to understand the power of that word astonished because it means that the king was so perplexed that he could not even make sense out of it. And if what I'm telling you is even close to the truth, that he saw them walking with the Son of God and they had bowed down and worshipped him, you listen to me. There will come a time in your life that even the enemy starts scratching his head about you and says, I've done everything I know to do. I've tried every everything I know, every trick in the book. I've thrown everything at them. I've let poor health come to them. I've let sickness come. I've let discouragement come. I've let depression come. But they keep on bowing down to worship. I sent an evil agenda and pestilence in the land. Tried to get those people to not be in church. So they came to the parking lot. Laid on the ground in the parking lot. Started crying and praying. I'm going to tell you all. You don't have to believe this. But I believe it. Brother Haney, I believe this. I believe that on that second week that we had a parking lot service. I believe that the principalities of this area. were standing out there looking at our parking lot going. I believe that Lucifer turned to his counselors and said, didn't we try? You can't make me stop worshiping. You can't take my song. You can't take my dance. You can't take... Shatanabakaya. You can't have it. You can't have my family. You can't have my increase. You can't have my blessing. I've come to get it, and I'm going to go home.